Fun live. I guess it's not really live, it's just recording, right? I can't really say it's live. Sussman Rick Sussman joined as always by the original angry nerd girl herself, Elle Strange, and a literal plethora of cats, mm -hmm. all of which will certainly be interrupting us as we're trying to have discussions and talk about our comics and making our lives miserable. Thank you so much for all of these cats. Well, two of them are busy right now, they're wrestling. Right, right. They just finished watching wrestling. Right, now they're trying to Right. And then I've got one trying desperately to turn the audio only version of the show off. Thanks. Thanks, Anna. Well, it's best. your fault for getting a lit up keyboard. My, well, You're attracting the cat to the keyboard. <laughs> I don't like that. That looks just orange, obviously. This is the problem. <laughs> it's not the cat. No. no. They come, the problem is my keyboard, not, not Onyx being a dick. All right, on today's episode, we have very little news, but very lots of comics to talk about. So let's get into it. Uh, El Strange, uh, the continued. Um, We'll say chicanery, that is, Discovery Plus. Uh, a new story broke out this week mm -hmm. that apparently they uh, are looking to potentially cancel um, Titans and Doom Patrol. Now, there has been no confirmation on this. It is strictly rumor as of this moment. Mm -hmm. uh, we liked Titans. That was okay. We didn't really go back to it after the first couple of seasons. But yeah. we love, love, love Doom Patrol. Yeah, which would be kind of weird. Like, what, in what world do they need to cancel Doom Patrol? I, I don't get it. I, I really hope that this is just pure speculatory bolognese, which the internet is known for, but, like, how do you cancel one of the most critically acclaimed shows that has really good viewership? Like, what is the reason? What is the purpose of that? 
I don't I don't know. It could just be utter and total bunk that happens. Mm -hmm. But if they cancel Doom Patrol, I think it's time for you know comic book nerds everywhere or just fans of television to just sort of sit up and be like, okay, this is bad. Now there are no signs of them canceling Harley Quinn, so you can't just say that they're canceling everything DC Comics related. But getting rid of Doom Patrol seems like a really bad idea. And again, mm -hmm. no confirmation on whether or not that's true. But, but. Ignore it. That? Ignore it. It didn't happen. So, the hypothetical question to you, El. Uh -huh. If they cancel Doom Patrol, what does that tell you more than anything about what's happening at HBO Max? Whoever's making these decisions needs to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> so it is my here. Let me put on my little styrofoam or uh, I'm sorry, tinfoil hat real quick. Uh -huh. Tinfoil. It is my conspiracy theory belief that they brought in this new like head of Discovery Plus, who's been making the, the guy who chopped Batgirl, the guy who put a kibosh and all that. There, I think they're trying to lower the WB's stock amount like that how much money it's worth mm -hmm. so that they can then buy back all their stock and goose the numbers and basically this is all just a really long elaborate way to, for them to make a couple of more billion dollars on top of what they already do by nefarious means and i say that because that seems like the only legitimate option for it to be like a smart move right like the only way that this is of benefit is that you're being very nefarious, but in a way that you're trying to generate income over time by tanking your stock number, then filing a massive loss with the IRS and gaining all this money back because tax loopholes. That's the only thing I could think of. Now, here's the other thing that's really, 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 really weird. Okay. We know that they canceled Batgirl after $90 million. Yes. And they, that, that's gone. That money is gone. Money is spent. Yeah. <laughs> there is now rumor... Rumor <laughs> that they may be canceling the Flash movie starring the first in, uh, member of the trash pile, Ezra Miller. Um, because, as we've mentioned on more than one occasion on this show, yeah. how do you have this movie <laughs> with this person who's been arrested yet again? I don't know why they didn't start with this person. <laughs> <laughs> Was this the goal to get to here? And then maybe he wouldn't feel bad about being the only one that could cancel. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're talking about well, remember yeah. Ezra's pronouns are specifically they them, so we should respect that. But to so that Ezra didn't feel bad about their movie getting canceled. Yes. I don't think Ezra Miller cares. Ezra Miller has been arrested five times in like four months in three states. Like most people would consider that a crime spree. So I, yeah. I, and then there are now rumors. There, there's there's concepts. And, well, who, you know who I really feel bad for in all this? Like, truly, who I really feel bad for? Yeah. Michael Keaton. Aww. Michael Keaton was like, I'm not going to be Batman anymore. I'm way too old. And Warner Brothers was like, ho, ho, ho. We can put you in the Flash movie. We can put you in the Batgirl movie. Brendan Fraser, of course, who was blackballed from uh, movies for years because he wouldn't uh, submit to certain weirdos' requests and had his life essentially ruined, had a reinvigoration with Doom Patrol, mm -hmm. was Firefly in the Batgirl movie, and was so excited about being a DC villain that he celebrated his birthday on set in character. So you've got Michael Keaton and Brendan Fraser, 
who are both looking around going, huh. And for what reason? To what end? We don't know. Very sad. Very annoying. Very not fan-friendly. No. And that's all the news I got. Depressing shit! Elle is strange. Yeah, that's rumor. <laughs> it's all rumor. Oh, that's fair. That is fair, yes. That is very... I forgot to grab the, uh, the felt-tip marker. Let me see if I can find it this time. The cats have thrown the felt-tip marker all around the room. No, it's gone. <laughs> I don't know where it is. It's gone. This is Onyx. This is Onyx is here, everybody. Hello, Onyx. He's such a long boy. Look how long he is. He has very long tail. Hold the backseats. Hold his backseats. Oh no, Oh no, he's going bananas. Now you pull. I'm going to see how long he is. He's so long. Alright. Enough rumors. Let's read some comic books. <laughs> well, I've read the comic books. I, well, <laughs> rumor has it. <laughs> rumor has it. I heard a rumor. I heard a rumor that you read some comic books. I'm so glad you don't have that power. <laughs> <laughs> I would abuse all superpowers. He, he Given the opportunity, any superpower. All of it yeah. evil. <laughs> oh, without question. All right, get on with okay. it. I, I didn't know if you were that. <laughs> All right. Wait till you drink something. I knew you were so <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know I'm not talking, is I have to swallow liquid. Badoops. Anyway, our first book on uh, Elle's Repile is Wonder Woman number 790. This is a great homage to the Hecate uh, storyline from Greg Rucka and uh, J.G. Jones. Awesome, awesome cover with Wonder Woman putting the boots on to vibe. I think that's Dr. Psycho. Mm -hmm. Is that Dr. Psycho? Yeah, Cisco. Yeah, this. Name's Dr. Cycle. Anyway, <laughs> so very nice homage cover. What did you think of the Wonders of Women number 700s and 90s? Well, first of all, I will say that cover kind of gives away the ending a bit. Oh, oh, oh Wonder Woman triumphs over Dr. Evil? Oh, I'm <laughs> yeah, shocked. No, 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 not just that, what he says. Oh. That, you know, he, he you know, he... This is only the beginning, princess. Yeah, 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 yeah. so... Mustache we already know that Cisco's been talking to some others right. that are actually in charge of what he's doing. Right. Uh, we do finally get more of a glimpse of what is going on there. Okay. Uh, so that raises more like, oh my god! Okay. So um, Ella, of course, is stuck with Professor uh, Calculus, is with Trapped, Ziggy, and uh, Steve have been or is have been um, taught by Doctor Poison, so everything is just all over the place. So many old school Wonder Woman villains making appearances. It's nice. I like I'm, that. I'm cool with it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we got past Blue Snowman. So <laughs> once you get past Blue Snowman, so Wonder Woman is left on her own to go directly after Cisco. Or. Or is she? <laughs> or is she? Because. When you when you get there, you've already been seeing the mirror image of Wonder Woman, which yes. Cisco refers to her as sweetheart, which I find very disturbing. It's disturbing. Yes, you know, as is intended. Any time I've ever heard somebody use that sweetheart is because you're putting them down like oh, like nothing. You know, I get you. Simple-minded kind of thing. I don't like it, but uh, simple. <laughs> <laughs> I keep. How do you? What? So somebody says, oh, thank you, sweetheart. You're like, don't call me dumb. Is that what you hear? The way I hear most people use it, though. <laughs> Is that like a bless your heart kind of situation? I don't know. It's so All weird. Right. It's All just right. like, it's just used too much. Oh, 
okay. I think that's a you thing. All right. <laughs> I think it is. All right. All right. But anyway, you do get to see how she blossoms into who she feels that she really wants to be. She wants to be like Wonder Woman. She is Wonder Woman. She's just cracked image yes. of her. Yes. And she's been having to deal with Cisco and doing whatever he says and finally she gets to break through. Okay. Uh, so we do see some devastating things, uh, but obviously the story will continue on with finding out who is really behind all of this. So good stuff. Okay. We're, we're wrapping up this little arc and then we're going to move on. So Can't wait for issue 800. All right, moving on. Nubia, Queen of the Amazons, issue three of four. Mm -hmm. This featuring the other new character, Wonder Girl. The other Wonder Girl. Wonder Girl. Yes. There are, there are many Wonder Girls now. <laughs> There's so many Wonder Girls. So Nubia is having to face someone from her past. Not just her past, but her past life. Ah, yes. She um, comes in contact with this person and... Uh, she finds out more about this amulet that she had come through the shown. soul, yeah, came the, through well, the, the souls. well of souls yeah. with it. Uh, finds out that it's not the complete amount; it's only half of the amulet. Mm. So, uh, you know, with her past catching up to her, she finds out more about the amulet. What's the? Why is it so wanted? Uh, and she's basically having to track down what she remembers from her past life to be able to find this connection to, to solve everything. And it's just amazing to see, you know, all this because you don't really talk about past life of those that have gone through Well, yeah, I mean, this, so whole, much. this, this is, whole well of souls kind of, has been a new concept anyway. Yeah, yeah, so you're, you're to learn more and more about it. Like right. The details, oh, well, what about this, what about that? You know, can things come through the well with you? Obviously, yes. Yeah. Uh, will you ever remember who you were in your past life? You know, how, how did how did you make it there? Why were you, I don't know, chosen in a I've way? Never, I've never been a fan through. of that concept of, like, imagine if you knew all of your past lives. How terrifying would that be? It would be terrifying. Yeah. I, I, you'd have to, you would have the guilt, you know. I mean, oh, you yeah. would have the happiness of a lot of stuff, too. But yes. Imagine, those, imagine if you would... A world where you remembered a previous life that didn't have anything to do with your current life. Foreshadowing. Please continue. <laughs> well, that's pretty much it. So, three of four, but something interesting I noticed at the end of the issue there, uh -huh. it said to be continued. It didn't say to be concluded. And I guess we should have mentioned the other big news is that um, um, Poison Ivy has been extended from a mini-series to, I think, a 12-issue maxi-series or something? Yeah, she, uh, so, that was extended. There's also another... Um, an IV story coming out. I don't remember yeah. much about it at all. But I just saw an eclipse. do you want Nubia, Queen of the Amazons, to end at four, or would you want to see it continue? I mean, it says three or four, so. Yeah, I think what it is, this story is really just circulating around the, Nubia's past. The Well of Souls, specifically. Yeah. yeah. Well, not just the Well of Souls, her past, like, who she it. was before she came to the island. Mm -hmm. uh, and. You know, you're, you're only going to go so far with that. You'll you'll still have reference to it. Things will still come up right. like, with her character developing and everything and, yeah. and continuing in Wonder Woman. Uh, but, you know, I think this is just focusing on that, which 
would make more sense for it to just be a mini series. Now, is she going to have another storyline somewhere? I hope so. Right. <laughs> I, I would expect. You would, you would think somebody like Nubia's of Nubia's character. Would yeah, get more. I think they're just taking the opportunity to be able to like do maybe different stories and stuff with different characters. Uh, Yara had hers and everything. A lot mm -hmm. of things were tied into the the trial of the Amazons true, too. True. True. You know, it was kind of like, oh, that's the reason because they're bringing all these different characters, but now they're kind of breaking away and having like their own story. So. I get that. I'm excited about it. I'm cool with it. I'm fine with this ending at Four. the fourth issue, which will be the next issue, because I can see where it's going to wrap up. Uh, not that the story actually ends, because it's it's her life. It's right. her past. It's right. never going to go away. Sort of an origin story. Yeah. Okay. So I, I thought it was very interesting. Fair enough. I get to learn more about her. All right. And now we have Elvira, what is this, Elvira in, in Horrorland. Horror yes, Elvira, 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 Elvira in Horrorland, <laughs> issue three of, not really sure, uh, clearly, for someone who is a fan of horror, mm -hmm. clearly the issue is going to take place in an Aliens continuity. I don't, I don't really like Aliens. I don't know. I, I, not that I didn't like it, it's that it's not a movie that had stuck with me. You know, I, one of the greatest horror films of all time. I'm not saying it wasn't H.G. Geiger art. It's just it's not something that I have gone back to rewatch. Face huggers. Most terrifying. I even I even offered. I said, hey, we could do a marathon today. Yeah, I mean the first two are okay. <laughs> Either way, it's still amazing. Okay. Uh, you know, like I said we are now have entered the movie Aliens. She is. Elvira is on the ship. She's got to find that remote so she can go to, again, the next place. The but next movie, with yeah. the hopes that this will all end. <laughs> she's hoping she'll Trying to jump back to her. She's, she's already kind of decided, you can tell, that this is never going to end. <laughs> she's just preparing herself. She's like, oh, okay, let's just go to the next journey. Uh, and she's even kind of keeping track, she's like, even in one part of the, the story, she reminds you like where she's been so far. Right. Um, and uh, it just continues to be wonderful how she interacts with the crew. It's hilarious. She throws them off. They forget their lines. They forget what <laughs> they're supposed to be doing next. Or sometimes they do remember what they're supposed to do next, but she's telling them to do something else. And they're freaking out. It gets so bad to the point that the walls break down and there's a director telling them to get back on track. <laughs> <laughs> You're going the Ridley wrong way. Ridley Scott is mad. <laughs> and it's just it just becomes a huge clusterfuck. And that's what I love about these is these Oh for God's sake. And every story, uh, you know, if you haven't been reading just to remind you, each one she's in a different movie. Uh, next movie is going to be great. It is called the Man of, of Your Dreams. dreams. Yeah. Uh, I think we can all guess what that's going to be, uh, and I'm very excited. And I probably could read tons of these. Yeah. Just exactly how it's being made, I can read tons of these because it's you're just having fun with all these classic movies. Uh, oh, oh, so Alien is a classic movie. It is, but I'm just saying it's not one that I go mm. back and mm -hmm. rewatch. And mm -hmm. For shame. I, I tried to go back and rewatch The Shining. I couldn't even finish. <laughs> it's because you watched it. On, you watched I've The Shining never... on a lark. You're just like, 
You know, there was a meme this week about mm-hmm. Shelley Duvall's cigarette, and I'm going to go watch No, I, I, it was after I, I read the, the issue. You, I, you told me specifically you were talking about Shelley Duvall's cigarette. It came up. Because <laughs> I saw the part again, and I thought it was amazing. <laughs> I don't think important, it enough. <laughs> important to remember that Shelley Duvall was literally terrorized for that entire movie to the point that she didn't want to act ever again, and Stanley Kubrick ruined her life. Good directing. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Is this your pick of the week? Maybe. <laughs> you haven't made the, the, the announcement whether or not you were doing pick of the week. Up next, my pick of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Eight billion Ginny's issue four of eight. This is the end of the first half of the series, I suppose. A book that is so popular, the second print is going into a third print. I saw nothing but like heads up all week from the artist about all the multiple printings. So incredibly, tell us about the Genies. Just get you up to date. Genies have shown up. Yes. Has granted each one each person in this world has a genie. And while this is all going on, if anybody is born, they get a genie. If they die, their genie dies with them. Or goes away with them. Poofs. Uh, yeah. uh, so, you know, things like that we learn about. How, and this is what we're learning throughout the story, like when people are making wishes, how these wishes are being granted. Uh, you know, do they come out exactly how you hoped? so and so forth, and you're seeing the world literally just changing. Right. You even get pictures where it's like, okay, now we're at this time, you know, this time along, and I'll tell you how many people and how many genies, and you're seeing that change drastically <laughs> every issue. Uh, oh my God, it's a Godzilla. <laughs> and of course, the genies' wishes are are going are whittling down a lot quicker than uh, the number of the human population. We still have some people that have stuck around, you know, but obviously you're seeing it go down significantly too overall because people are killing others. Yes. <laughs> based on their wishes. And uh, Robbie is a one is a kid that has been in this bar that has been protected by the owner of the bar. His wish was to keep everyone safe within the bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kid decides, look, this isn't good enough for my, my parents. I want to go out and I, I, I need to be able to protect them too. So I want to be a superhero. That's, that's what happened in the last issue. And so now he's out there battling. Unfortunately, he gets a little caught up and he's tied up with a huge group of superheroes. Things do not go well. It's insane. Uh, but you also are seeing the time pass within the bar. Yeah. And each time you're seeing like how many weeks it's been. And you're seeing how everybody's starting to really talk to each other more. Yeah, they've been kind of getting to know each other, but now they're really talking to each other. They're, they're telling them about their life stories mm-hmm. and where they've been and why they made these life choices and where what got them here in this bar to begin with. What they were supposed to be doing the day of what they refer to as G-Day. Jimmy Day, right? Uh, and it, you're just you're just seeing just time tick by, tick by, and as we get to know more about people that are in the bar, we actually get to learn who Will Williams is. Yes, it's insane. You didn't expect it, <laughs> and I think it makes for a magnificent twist. Uh, you get more of an explanation as to why the genies are here. 
and what the plan is. What is the final plan right. <laughs> with all of this? Uh, and basically, there there's a next step. This isn't just it. Right. There, there's like there's steps to this process that they have, and I I don't know where they're gonna go with this. They give you little hints. It's not enough because obviously you're getting something very unexpected in this issue. Yeah. <laughs> so anything could happen. <laughs> Literally anything can happen. <laughs> so uh, it's space. Literally everything. <laughs> anything can happen in space. Literally everything is in space. <laughs> so I am very excited. I I really I it's a number four. It definitely yeah, it's an issue four. It's an issue four. It's an issue four. I don't want to remember how many issues we're supposed to be getting. I don't want to know. Eight. <laughs> I don't want to. It's eight. I thought there was some days. Eight. Rumored that it might extend. No. Eight. Fine. Eight. I don't want it to be eight. It literally says it on the cover. I said I don't want it to be I eight. Know, I know. You're eight. not listening to me. All right, I'm done. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. They, yeah. <laughs> I put my bed, when I sit down, I put my butt down. That's what I do. But first. But first. All right. To begin. Samurai Doggy. Samurai Doggy is a new comic from Chris Tex and Santos. Uh, issue one here from Aftershock Comics. It is a $4.99 book, but, L, if you could put your hand out here. It's a hefty comic. A uh, good, uh, interesting story of Samurai Doggy. Uh, the doggy is born. Uh, an evildoer kills his mom and slashes his eye, and he loses his eye. Very classic samurai e stuff. Um, there is a robot crow that befriends him for some reason. Uh, and then I, there's a lot going. Like, you ever heard the term, there's a lot to unpack here? Mm. There is a lot to unpack here. Um, we live in this weird sort of techno-futuristic world where um, everyone is sort of like on hovercrafts, there's techno-robots, dogs can talk. Uh, there's a lot going on. I, I don't know why, but I'm really interested in this. Like, I can't really explain, but I'm just like, all right, you know what, fine. I, I'm on board. I got a really heavy book uh, for $4.99. I'm interested to see where this is going. I'm very. I find it very peculiar. It's very future. What is the word I'm looking for here? Like, it's like steampunk. No, um, cyberpunk. It's very cyberpunk, but with samurais, and he's a dog. So. So what's the point of the story? I don't know yet. Revenge tale. What, what happened in the issue? <laughs> yes. You learn nothing. I I, I wouldn't read it another issue. <laughs> <laughs> he went to. He's he's on the trail of the murderous thing that killed his mom. Uh -huh. So classic revenge story. Okay. He ends up going into town and finding people who basically send him off on some side quests. Hmm. In the process, we get to see the end of the issue. We get to see the end of the story at the very beginning. So it's one of these things where he shows up. Uh, hang on. This is the crow that befriends him. And then we get to see, like, Eventually, he goes on, like, this crazy, like, killing, like, spree. I guess he meets up with, like, the bad guys. Mm -hmm. But then they're like, ah, that happens further down the road. Let's talk about two months ago. So I guess we're leading up to this. It was a very strange issue. I'm not going to lie. 
I'm kind of on board with it, but it was very peculiar. And I kind of dug that. I was very unexpected. Um, one of those I don't know what I was expecting kind of issues, mm -hmm. but I was happy with what I read. And more importantly, I thought it was a very good value at $4.99 for all the comic that you got. But, yeah, to your point, I, I don't have much of a review because I just, I guess I just need more, which is weird to say for a book that's so big. Or not. <laughs> Fair enough. I liked it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was, I thought, it, here's the one thing I will say. The pacing of the comic is very good. It reminds me a lot of Maria Lovett books in that it's very kinetic. And each, each panel and each page, you just keep rocketing through. So there was that. Mm. Moving on. The next issue of Harley Quinn is here because, of course, it is. Because it's a weekly now, and I'm officially pissed. Um, we don't like weekly comics here at the Read Pile. We've never been fans of weekly comics. Some of our favorite books ever were weekly books. Um, and it always annoyed us. And Harley Quinn is no exception. The, the script is fine. The art is incredible. I like the story. I do not understand why it has to be a weekly issue, and I'm officially over it. I don't know what to say outside of making this a weekly is ruining the experience as far as I'm concerned. Mm. I, I don't have enough time to process what just happened in the last issue. I don't have enough time to relax my mind. I'm right back into the next issue every single week. It feels very forced. Um... And that's unfair, because the art is truly phenomenal. Actually, there's a really great image in here I wanted you to see. Uh, where is it? Where is it? So, yeah, yeah, everyone starts throwing up because Solomon Grundy threw up, which is fun. The book still has all of its, like, charm um, and everything like that, but why is this a weekly? We don't, we don't know. I didn't look into it. You didn't look into it. We didn't think to look into it. It feels very unnecessary to be a weekly. I don't know why, but it's a weekly up into the annual, and then which is the end of the month, and then it's, and then I saw that it kind of dropped off for two weeks at least. I didn't look further than that, but it just—I don't know. It's it's hard it's hard to explain how disappointed I am because the book is still worth reading, the issue is still gorgeous. I don't have a problem with it. I just feel like I'm being like inundated with Harley Quinn. I wonder if they have an idea for the annual, because I know the annual a lot of times does not have anything to really do, do with that direct yeah. online, like ongoing right. series, um, like the storyline, like it disconnects a little bit. I get that. But maybe they have an idea for the annual, and they're like, oh, we got to catch up. I guess. Or maybe not necessarily that they have to catch up, but that they're trying to build towards like, that, to annual. that annual. If anything, I think you're halfway there. So this ties in very directly to what's happening in Dark Crisis. They mention it a lot. I feel like they have to shoehorn in this entire storyline while Dark Crisis is still going in order for all of that to make sense. Which, again, doesn't make any sense to me because they, they didn't bother trying to do this with um, Fear State, which directly tied into Harley Quinn because Harley Quinn was a big part of Fear State. And those books were a little, like, chronologically out of order. I don't know what's happening with Harley Quinn as it being a weekly. I will tell you this. If it was a standard two-week, four-week book, I would have nothing negative to say about it whatsoever. It's just very, I guess frustrating would be the right term. And it's weird because it's like, oh, don't you want the thing? You're always complaining that you don't get the issues fast enough. That's a very true statement, but also... We probably wouldn't want each of our comics, even our favorite book. Do you want 8 Billion Genies to be a weekly? Mm. No, you love that it builds up. You love that you have the opportunity to think about the comic and that you gets to build. It's part of the joy, right? Anyway, I still like the book. It's not off my read pile. It's fun. 
It's just annoying. Annoying. Yeah. Speaking of fun and annoying, Jurassic League. Yes, yes. Jurassic League issue four. Oh, what a what an issue four. I'm going to spoil it. I don't care. No one is reading Jurassic League expecting anything. But oh my God, it's Dark Sidosaurus. Oh my God, he's a giant turtle too. How amazing is that? He's a giant snapping turtle. He's even got you like his shell. Nice. Um, how would you pronounce that? Darky low side? Darky low side? Yeah. Darky low side? That's that's what he calls himself. But he is what was in the egg. He is what hatched. Not shocking. Um, <laughs> Aquaman tracks Black Mantasaurus. Or uh, Aquanid tracks Black Mantasaurus to uh, the egg. Uh, the uh, egg then gobbles up Black Mantasaurus, then gobbles up other villain. Uh, other villain. It doesn't gobble up Jokerzard though, because Batsaur, of course, needs to get its revenge on Jokerzard. Very important. I love this book. This is so silly and so dumb and so over the top and so tremendous. And it is so well written and so well scripted and so well drawn. Not my pick of the week, only because there's so many other books that have equal to greater value, but. I cannot stress enough. If you're a fan of just fun comic books, you have to read Jurassic League. It is silly and ridiculous and over the top in all of the best ways. All of the best ways. Alright, let's go in a different direction for a bit and talk about Punisher 5. Damn. So this is Jason Aaron's second big Punisher run, as I may have mentioned. Uh, he also had a Punisher Max run that I thought was amazing that featured one of the most brutal fight scenes of all time between Punisher and Bullseye, where they were, like, hitting each other with hammers and shit. It was really messed up. In this story, we're learning more and more and more about Frank Castle's life before he became the Punisher and how he was always sort of destined to be the Punisher no matter what he did. Even as a kid, the first thing he does when he's 8 years old or 10 years old is he sees this guy, like, rape and murder this woman and nobody comes to her rescue, so he puts on a Captain America face mask and sets the guy on fire and kills him. And then as he ages, he finds more and more ways, more and more ways to exact his vengeance on people and, and to become the, the, the fist of the beast, which is what the Hand has sort of brought him in. The Hand thinks that Punisher is the god of killers, or the king of killers, I should say, and that the king of killers will then have the five gifts of the beast. Frank has already started showing some signs of that. The real reason why Frank is stuck here, of course, is that they've resurrected his wife, Maria. Frank has had enough of the Hand and all their insane shit, so he kills the leader of the Hand, or thinks he kills her anyway, uh, because she's a monster, literally, and takes Maria, and they run into the jungle together to get the hell out of there. Not surprising, the moment Maria leaves the compound, she dies again. And the leader of the Hand, she's back, she's resurrected again, and she's like, oh, the King of Killers has returned. Oh, I see, it's because your wife is dead. Make sure you don't take her away from us again, or, you know, she'll be dead permanently. And it's one of those things where, like, you you start to really feel for the Punisher, because the only thing he wants to do is end his war on crime once and for all, period, mm -hmm. and go be with his wife and maybe even his kids. Like, if he can resurrect his wife and kids, his life would finally have meaning again. What's funny, though, and what has always been the case about the Punisher and every version of it, of, of the character, is that it wouldn't matter. No matter what happens, Frank Castle will always find a way to continue his war on crime. Whether, you know, he's using the fact that his wife is resurrected as a, as a means to an end, as a way out, 
but we know that it wouldn't matter. They could resurrect her, the kids, he could find a cottage in the middle of nowhere. Somehow, some way, he'd still be the Punisher. And that's sort of his... Like, everyone always likes to make the, the statement saying that, well, the Punisher is just a man. But Marvel has alluded to Punisher being actually, like, this unkillable mutant. for Or, or I don't know, what do we call him now? Enhanced? Because mutant didn't, wasn't a word. Anyway, a super-powered individual for some time. And his superpower is that he literally just can't die. It's always been, consi- you know, everyone's sort of like, always like, is it true or not? And every time Punisher has died, he was always resurrected or he managed to survive somehow. And this is no different. So I love what Jason Aaron is doing. Punisher in, in this version is great. Uh, really awesome final shot where he's decided to go up against Ares once and for all to end this war. And Ares is wearing his original logo, which I think is really cool. Um, so very excited with Punisher. Very much not the normal book. Speaking of not the normal book and monsters, let's talk about A Town Called Terror, issue 5. Still, what I consider to be the most gorgeous comic on the stands today, if you're a horror fan. I do need to throw that in. The first panel is like this really, like, disgustingly creepy M.C. Escher hands drawing hands homage, I think. It's gorgeous. It's It's bile. And then the actual title card, A Town Called Terror, is a bunch of humans that have been, like, skinned. Set and then position to make them look like they're saying the word terror with their body. That's crazy. Yeah. I follow Steve Niles on Twitter. Basically, every morning, uh, he, give, he gives you a good morning, and the good morning is with a photo of a, uh, a, uh, a monster, like a, a classic monster, so like Dracula, Wolfman, you know, whomever. Mm-hmm. And this book is such a love letter to classic monster horror. Uh, you've got vampires, and you've got Frankensteins, and you've got witches... And the, the, the story that's happening here is we're finding out that our main character who's been brought back to this town is actually not even the son of the person that he thinks he's the son of. Turns out he's actually half human, half vampire. Uh, his father uh, finally found out that his mother cheated on him, and that's where his first son came from. His brothers and sisters love him, though, and his father has banished him to this, like, netherworld. And... His mother and him are so powerful that they were able to join forces and come back to Terror, which is the name of the town. Okay. Um, and it, I think this is leading up to... I, this is probably the penultimate issue, I would assume. I don't know how long A Town Called Terror is supposed to be, but if next issue is the last issue, I would buy it, I would believe it, I'd be fine with it. It's just such a wonderful love letter to classic... We'll call them the Universal Monsters, I guess? You know, Frankenstein, Dracula, yeah. Mummy... Um, and I really have been enjoying it. It is, without question, the most gorgeous comic I've read as a big horror fan in quite some time. Let's finish up with the final issue, I believe, of oh. Slumber. Okay. So, uh, this is, uh, what, if it's not the final issue, it's certainly the final issue of Volume 1. As you may recall, uh, the Dream Eater was stuck, uh, trying to figure out if she was going to take her daughter back into the real world from the dream world or kill her. Yeah. And okay. the, the monster that had uh, was killing all these people and starting started the whole series was now embedded in her daughter. It's worse. The monster isn't embedded in her daughter. The monster was her daughter. That entity that's been hopping around from dream to dream killing everyone, mm-hmm. that was created by her daughter because her daughter was having a nightmare, basically. So it reminds me a lot of my date with monsters in that okay. regard. Um, and 
it's a really great ending, um, but there's no ending. So it's very much like a, you know, like this is how it ends, but also here's this really crazy twist at the end, so maybe it's not over. Mm, okay. I enjoyed this first volume of Slumber. I feel I've had enough. Um, I don't know if I'd get back on board with another volume of it. Um, not because I thought it was bad, but I want the story to kind of end here. I'm happy with it. I, I kind of dig the final panel because I don't know what it means. So we learn a lot in the issue. It was very fun, but there's so much left unsaid. So maybe there will be another volume, in which case if it is like six months down the road and I find out that issue seven is suddenly on my read pile, I'd be like, oh, all right, cool. But if we can take like a pause on slumber for a while and let me like process this volume, I would be happy with it. Okay. It was, it was a good story. I liked it. Sounds good. These next three issues could easily have been my picks of the week depending on when they debuted. We here at the Read Pile have certain pillars of the Read Pile. These are folks who we read at least one of their comics every single week. This started out as a joke, but has become a reality. And those pillars are the mayor of Halloween Town, Colin Bunn, the Clock King, Tom King, you still owe me money, Everyone Dies, Taylor, Tom Taylor, and of course the OG, Gail Simone, who was the first pillar of the Read Pile. On my Read Pile this week is... Superman, Son of Kal-El, issue 14. Um, this issue starts off with Lois Lane explaining on uh, the truth what is going on in, uh, in Gamora with President Bendix uh, and who they've been, how they've been um, snatching up regular everyday people, giving them meta-human powers, and then using them essentially as living weapons. Um, and Superman, and in this case now Gossamer, who is uh, the new, uh, we'll say the, the new version of Jay Nakamura, because he got unmasked in the last issue, so now he's got a new costume, but it's actually just a costume from uh, the Legion of the Superheroes. He even has a flight ring now. It's this really adorable moment where uh, John is giving Jay the flight ring, and Jay's like, I don't know, it's a little early. Oh no, his exact wording is, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to be down on one knee for this. And Clark's like, no, it's, no, uh, John says it's a flight ring, and, and, and Jay just basically tells him, yeah, man, I know, I'm fucking with you, it's fine. <laughs> um, it's a very sweet issue. The one thing I do love about Tom Taylor is he knows how to weave in a lot of comedy into a lot of his horrible, horrible realities. Um, and this issue is another fantastic story about John Kent and what's going on in this world and why they're trying as desperately as they can to fix what happened in Gomorrah. Because it's a story of uh, basically, what what is what is it called? Um, human trafficking. It is it. This is a this is a meta-human take on the issue of human trafficking. There is people in power who are controlling uh, those who don't have the money or the influence to get away. They're being experimented on. They're being used. They're being sold into very literal slavery for their mutant power or for their meta-human powers. It is to me a very clear testament to the modern day issue of human trafficking. And I love it. I love that uh, Tom Taylor leans in to major social issues and does not shy away from the realities that that faces. And then he combines them into really great storytelling. I, I, as I've said many, many times, I'm a Batman person. Elle is a Batman person. She's got a Batman tattoo. But Superman, Son of Kal-El has given me such love 
for this character because he's such a, a ray of hope. Speaking of. Ah. Blah, 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 Tom Taylor. Deceased is back, everybody! I got this really amazing homage cover. So cool. So cool. What are you doing? What are you doing? What is with you today? She wants to play fetch. Evil freaking teddy bear. Where's where's your little ball? I don't even know where your ball is. Oh well. So this is deceased issue one of War of the Undead Gods. Um, fantastic. Explains what happened to oh, the original Superman. If you may recall, Superman got infected with the anti-life equation and immediately flew to the sun and started eating it. And he had been there the entire time, huh. just devouring the sun. Well, they've created, uh, they've, they've figured out how to solve the anti-life equation. They're bringing people back. Remember, that was in the last volume of DC. So they started curing people. And they realized that they're going to need to go cure Superman. Now, before we get there, we find out what happened to Kara, Supergirl. And what happened to New Genesis? New Genesis was the planet, of course, next to Apocalypse. So it was one of the first planets to ever be infected with the anti-life um, equation. And all of the new gods are now undead zombies. And they've captured uh, Supergirl, who appears to be one as well. Uh, back on Earth, they've started curing people. Uh, and Superman uh, leads a team to the, to the sun to go get his dad out of the, Earth, out of the sun and cure him. Because they need Clark Kent back. <laughs> and they can cure him. So there's this incredibly well-scripted battle sequence with um, all of the new superheroes that we've come to know and love. Like Shazam, Cass uh, Cassandra Kane and um, Green Canary, who is, you know, a green arrow with uh, a green lantern ring. All of this amazing stuff. We journey to Earth 2, which is where everyone from Earth 1, well, this particular Earth... Uh, has moved to Earth 2 in order to survive because Earth 1 and that whole universe was anti-life equation and lost. Okay. And they come back and we see Smallville is back. There's a beautiful moment where everyone has returned. And then we get one of the saddest, most... Re remember what we call Tom Taylor. Everyone dies Taylor. We get this brutally sad moment where Alfred is being explained to by Damien, who is now, you know, proper Batman, that we could have saved everyone. And Alfred, of course, is the one who killed Bruce, killed Tim, killed Dick. When they were zombies, he shot him in the head with a shotgun. And Alfred has to, like, square that. That they could have been saved. And it's just this one panel, and just just this one moment. And it's... Aww. It's so brutal. It's so brutal. And it, it's what I come to expect from Tom Taylor, because he's a monster. Just a monster. So the whole point of the War of the Undead Gods is that Brainiac shows up at the last minute and basically delivers the news that, yeah, so there's worse things going on in the universe. And they're like, how can there be worse than super zombies? And Brainiac basically says, what about god zombies? You ever think of god zombies? No, no one's thought of god zombies yet. So that's what the War of the Undead Gods is. Now, the reason why this isn't my pick of the week is not necessarily because my pick of the week is so much better, but because I thought the, the story of getting Clark out of the sun would have been more, like, harrowing. I thought that may have been an arc in and of itself. I also expected him to be, like, one of the undead gods, specifically. I figured he was going to be. So I was a little like, oh, okay, well, fair enough. Like, I just, I, I, I didn't... I didn't expect it to be such a quick resolution. Hmm. 
Still loved it. Still on board. DC's probably the best alternate reality storyline in years outside of DC versus Vampires. Not quite my pick of the week. My pick of the week is... We here at The Read Pile have four specific pillars of The Read Pile that we tend to read at least one of their comics of every single week. This week, I had two Tom Taylor books. Would have been two check marks, but the cats have some somehow done away with our felt-tip marker. God only knows where it is. What are you doing? Anyway, <laughs> those pillars are... <laughs> Mayor of, I don't know if I want to be near you. Mayor of Smoogie Dead, the Clock King, Tom King. This Clock King. My pick of the week is Tom King's Love Everlasting. Fuck you, Tom King! You know what you did! I would like more of this, please. The first, pan the first few pages of this, I thought it was just going to be some adorable saccharine comic about this woman finding love. By the way, big shout out to Elsa, um, I think her last name is Cartier? I want to say it's Car uh, Cartier? I'm sorry. The art in this uh, issue is phenomenal, and it matches the story so absolutely flawlessly. It is the story of this, this woman here, Joan, who's trying to find love. She's lovesick. She's trying to get with this guy named George, who's her actual boss. She comes back uh, and is, you know, just dealing with the fact that George is with another woman, and she's in love with him, and she's his secretary. And then the story ends, and I'm like, oh, she fell in love, and okay, that's the end of the story. And then I got really kind of annoyed, because the next issue begins here, the next story. And I said, what is this? Some kind of dumbass anthology love series? I wasn't expecting this from Tom King. Tom King's the Clock King. What is this? And it made me mad. And then I kept reading. And Elle gave me the heads up, like, no, 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 you gotta keep reading. It's like she's stuck in time or something. It's Tom King. Of course it's gonna be about time, right? Mm. And I said, okay, fine. And that's when I started to discover how incredibly cool this book is. Let me see if I can find a panel. So if you guys see, there's these gray panel boxes. And each of these gray panel boxes is supposed to be her thinking. But what I think is happening is the narration, the fourth, the, the fourth wall breaking narration is... <laughs> you and I... Just don't put your hand over there. <laughs> okay. We're going to have a fight today. Anyway, the fourth wall narration is forcing this character, Joan, whose timeline keeps skipping without her noticing. First it's like the 50s, then it's the 70s, and then it's not just going forward, it's going backwards in time too, all the way to the, to the Wild West. And the narration keeps telling her, oh, this is the greatest moment of my life, and she keeps sort of like fighting the narration. Like, no, wait, where's George? Then now the next, the next story, she's in love with this guy named Kit. And she's like, wait, 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 has Kit always been there? What about George? What happened to George? And then in the last issue, the last part of the issue, which is the third story, Fight for Love, um, she doesn't even bother trying to figure out what's happening before she realizes shit has gone amok. She hijacks a horse and just runs it out into the world, into the desert, to presumably go kill herself. And that's when we find out it was all just a dream. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was not just a dream at all. The next issue, the next issue, the next story begins called Sick with Love. And the narration begins, when I got ready for work that day, I had no idea I would meet. And then she sort of just realizes that her life has been this weird, like, what something is wrong. And her only line at the end there is just, oh, fuck. This is absolutely fantastic. 
I don't know where the story is going. I don't know if we're going to get like this crazy like like uh, Palm Springs Groundhog Day but romantic version where every day she wakes up in another romantic novel. The issue itself feels like it could have come out of like all the mini issues mm-hmm. could have come out of like the early 50s comics about, you know, uh, uh, mom, dad, 2.3 kids. Like the art of itself looks very uh, old school in that regard and done obviously on purpose. The, the writing is phenomenal, of course. And what's more important is I had no idea what was going on. And it had such a visceral, visceral response that I was angry. So the story screwed with my head so much that I had to know what was going on. Once again, Tom King, the clock king, messing with time. I, I don't know what else to say. Very good. You were right. <laughs> there, I said it. Alright everybody, so that's the read pile for this week. My pick of the week, of course, is Love Everlasting, issue one. And uh, Elle's pick is 8 Billion Genies, issue four of eight. Of eight. Mm -hmm. Uh, You also should go pick up Deceased, it's amazing. Uh, And uh, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, Before we get going, we always want to thank our friends, of course, uh, the Space Bastards, uh, Mad Cave Comics, our sister show, the IndyCast, Eric Palicki, AJ Schumacher, all of our friends over at uh, Glurk and Bow and BG Comics. Thank you so much for viewing this week. We will be back next week with more time-bending, bizarre, probably a Harley Quinn comic. And uh, until then, I am the Sussman Rick Sussman for the original Angry Nerd Girl herself, and we will see you then. So until then, say goodbye, Elle. Bye, Elle. And then I gotta hit the X, and then I hit the other X. <laughs>